Welcome to The Real Look. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. Today's Northern Lights guest is Michelle Bailey with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. In 2005, California native Michelle Bailey headed to Boise, Idaho for a new life with her two young children. After having built a career in public safety, she realized that that would not be her forever path. She quickly made her mark, becoming a broker in 2009, building a highly productive business and garnering the attention of one of the country's top real estate business owners, Ben Kinney. This led to a 2016 partnership with Kinney and Bailey, which has since grown into a multi-million dollar enterprise. Please enjoy this conversation with Michelle Bailey. Well, g'day, Michelle. Welcome to The Real Look. Where does today's podcast find you? I'm in Boise, Idaho. We all have a story, a life before real estate. Give us a little bit of your story. I'm actually from Northern California, the Bay Area, and I worked in law enforcement there for 10 years. Was lucky enough to work the same shift as my now ex-husband. Decided after divorce to move to Idaho to a better place to raise my kiddos. And how did you pick Idaho? Well, I lived in Idaho for a couple of years growing up, a couple hours away from Boise, so in a place called Twin Falls. And uh, my best friend from high school suggested it. And I said, for some odd reason, that sounds amazing. You pack up your kids and you move lock, stock and barrel to Boise, Idaho. So what did you do then? Well, I had a job when I moved here. I wasn't entirely crazy. And it was a technical recruiter, which we probably know otherwise now as cold caller. (laughs) So I hated it. I was on day one and I didn't even want to come back. And so I quit at day one and a half and just took some time off and then kind of just fell into real estate, honestly. What was it about that that was attractive to you as a different alternative? Honestly, there was nothing attractive about it. I was hired to manage an office and that office never opened, but it was enough time that I said, hey, I should probably go to real estate school. And they said, that sounds like a great idea. And then about the time I got done with real estate school, that's when they said, hey, we're not opening up anymore. So good luck with you. (laughs) So what did you do? I said, I need to work now. (laughs) So I went and worked with the first team. Another friend went with and I didn't really interview them. I just went and just started working and wrote my first offer three weeks later. I got licensed in the summer of 2006. So we know what was happening, right? Right. Yeah. And I didn't know. I mean, and thank God I didn't know, actually, because had I known, I probably would not have moved forward. It was crazy. I mean, you just start doing what you have to do to support your family. And I often joke that I went from a job, a career where it didn't matter who I made mad. I still got a paycheck. And now I have to learn not to make people mad in order to get a paycheck and being a single parent in an area that I don't really know that many people. That first year, Michelle, you said you joined a team. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why you took that route getting into the industry and the experience that you had being part of a team rather than an individual agent your first year in the business? Chase, I honestly did not think about it a lot. I knew that I didn't know anyone. I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about real estate. And My girlfriend said, this team is really cool. I enjoyed them. They seem like they have their stuff together, (laughs) right? That sounds familiar. 
And so I went on a Saturday morning and I met with him and talked with him. And he actually said, I didn't think you would be successful because you didn't know how to talk. And it wasn't that I didn't know how to talk. I'm actually an introvert and I was watching and just trying to learn. When I say that I had to work, I was at a point where I had to work. So I just said, okay, let's do it. Let's go. What do I need to do? So Michelle, I'm thinking, right, so you get in in 06. When did things start to shift in Boise? Because Boise was one of those first markets and probably one where it had the greatest free fall. What was that like for you? It was tough. It started shifting in 2007. Again, I had no idea what was happening. I just knew that things weren't happening like they were happening. I was a realtor doing sales. I was a transaction coordinator for the team that I worked with in order to pick up side money. And I was a part-time office manager for the brokerage that I was with at the time. So I was doing whatever I could to make ends meet. I mean, at the end of the day, I still lost my house. I had to short sell my house. It was a tough couple of years for sure. You're right. It was tough, particularly in Boise. How did you come out of that? How did you sort of go through all of that and then go build your business on the other side of it? Work. I mean, you just, you focus on everything you have to do right now in order to put food on the table. And so, you know, I mentioned the two other side hustles that I was doing. It was barely enough. I was able to survive through that. Well, the market started to change May of 2012. I just, I remember that very clearly. And I came to KW in January of 2013 when I realized I had been running things just by chance without any intention and real understanding of running a business and what it was that I was actually doing. Now, had you left the team at that point when you made the transition to KW? At that point, I was with another team, but I had I had actually gone to get my broker's license. And when I realized the liability involved in that, I said, I'm not going to be your broker anymore. So <laughs> then I went solo. <laughs> <laughs> What was that transition like, Michelle, going from having been on a team to transitioning into being a solo or individual agent? I'm a high C and a high D for those people that are familiar with DISC. So for me, it was very like I already knew paperwork. I already knew MLS. I already knew all that stuff. For me, the challenge was getting out of my way and making calls. And I knew that if I just made so many calls a day, talked to so many people that it would come, I would have to keep climbing the hill without knowing at what point I got to the top. So you quit your telemarketing job after a day and a half, and then you realize that you need to telemarket. That's an interesting (laughs) scenario. You know, what's hilarious is when I did the telemarketing, I researched every company before I called them. And my boss said, just pick up the phone and call them. It doesn't even matter. And I was like, it matters. And then when I first started calling for sell by owners and canceled, I pulled everyone up and researched them. And now I'm like, you guys, just call them. It doesn't matter. If it's the wrong person, it doesn't matter. You've wasted all this time. The student becomes the teacher. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So that was one of the challenges in going from being on a team to being an individual agent. Like, Walk us through kind of that part of your career. So you come off a team, you change brokerages, you're wanting to be more intentional. And that's my word, not yours necessarily, but purposeful, intentional. What kind of happened to your career at that point? 
it started to take off. I started working, closing a lot of transactions. I don't remember what the numbers were, but I was on ALC for you know a couple of years. And then I started growing my own team, made all the mistakes, of course. Here I am, however many years later, I guess it's 10. <laughs> and you closed almost 110 transactions, 109 last year, from what I see for about 54 million. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. What were some of those key lessons that you learned in team building that you look back on now and you'd say were really important to the growth of your business? My very first buyer's agent left the brokerage I was at before and came with me to KW. So she was instantaneously my buyer's agent, (laughs) which means absolutely nothing at that point, right? In the beginning, it was very much like, oh, you want to work with me? Oh, awesome. Okay. So we work together. It's taken a long time for me to realize that it's not just about that friendship or that desire to work together. It's about having the same vision and being on the same page and working towards the same goal. And I cannot want it more for them than they want it for themselves. I'm just not willing to deal with that anymore. I want to work with people that want to be on the same boat. I love that. That is such sage advice because uh, you're right. If they're not in alignment with you and your vision, then it's it's just not going to happen, right? Not at any significant level. So in order to do the business you do today, how do you generate leads? Because we know that's the foundation of our business. So what are you doing to generate leads to do that many transactions? I'm fortunate enough at this point in my career, it's been 17 years now that I keep in touch with my sphere and I get referrals from them or I get referrals from around the country with our networks. Then the team, I mean, they do, I call it warm calls, not cold calls. They do warm calls, keeping in touch with their sphere. We do a lot of canceled expireds. We do buy some internet leads, but it's like Facebook type stuff and a lot of open houses, actually, a lot of open houses. I appreciate you sharing, and I'm sure that you're all calling in a very TCPA compliant and friendly manner. So what are you doing about being purposeful around your open houses to make them an effective tool in your arsenal? It's about choosing a property that works for the agent and where they want to focus on. It's choosing one that's newer on the market or has had a price reduction of some sorts recently. It's door knocking around the home. It's calling the neighborhood to invite them to the open house and seeing who do they know that wants to move into their amazing area. It's not just like throw a sign in the yard and pray someone actually comes. It's doing it with intention. I love that. Now a brief word from our sponsors. Stick around. KW Young Professionals is a community of Keller Williams Realty International on a mission to develop the next generation of leaders. They do this by equipping their members with foundational leadership education in a safe environment to learn how to lead. By joining KWYP or launching a local KWYP chapter, young professionals gain real-life experience of what it's like to lead a KW Market Center or real estate mega team with minimized risk. They're committed to failing fast, failing forward, and failing often to develop the next generation of leaders within Keller Williams. If you're interested in joining or learning more, head to kwyp.org for membership benefits, testimonials, and so much more.
What did the process or the progression look like as your team grew? What other lessons maybe did you learn along the way? And then what does your team look like now? Well, Bonnie and I originally, my first buyer's agent, we realized very quickly that that was not a good fit for that. We're still really good friends today. But my first actual partner was Michelle Woods. I think we've been partnered since 2015. I worked all the listings and she worked all the buyers. So we did the model in that regards, hired an EA that scared the crap out of me, which of course just forced me to be the leader that I say I wanted to be. You know, we would hire a couple more buyer's agents and we had a transaction coordinator. And then at one point I decided to partner with Ben Kinney. And then from that moment, we have just grown. And I now have 16 agents and three admin and myself. What precipitated the decision to join Ben Kenny's organization? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I went to expansion systems orientation back in the day, and he was teaching it with Kristen Cole. And he was just talking about the synergy of two teams and coming together and doing more. And I had actually gone to that class because I'm from the Bay Area. And I thought, oh, I'll have another team in the Bay Area. That is a really good marriage location-wise, right? California to Idaho. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, just listening to them talk, I went, why am I reinventing the wheel? At the end of the day, my profile, so to speak, who I am within, I'm okay being the person that executes things behind the scenes. I don't have to have my name in the screens and in the lights. So it was just a good, it was a good partnership. And how long ago was that, Michelle? 2016. 2016. So that was really early on, kind of, if you want to think about the early stages of this large expansion and of place now with Ben. And you mentioned that your business has grown ever since that decision. How specifically and what was it that that partnership changed to allow for that level of growth? You know, it's interesting because our number of transactions have really stayed within a certain boundary. I hate actually that even boundary makes it sound like I'm keeping it within, but it really like we've never passed 130 units. And at the end of the day, it's because of me, right? It's my leadership and where I'm willing to focus and who I'm willing to hire. What it has really showed me is systems in the accountability and implementing those things at a higher level and following them. And sometimes we don't want to follow them. Even though we know we join forces, we still sometimes fight ourselves. I think one of the things that is so valuable for our listeners to hear, and I appreciate you sharing it, it is we kind of all subscribe to this idea that the law of the lid, right? And as leaders, like we are the lid on our business, whether we like it or not. So as we're developing our thinking around that, it's like, how do we develop as leaders so that the business can continue to expand and not be contained, like you said, right? A hundred percent. If there is something happening in my business, I 100% guarantee it's because of something I'm not doing or I'm doing. And I hate even saying it out loud. And yet I know logically it's true. Well, I think too, my hat is off to you, Michelle, because a lot of us can't get around our own egos, right? To make decisions like you've done. And yet when you do that, the growth opportunity is immense on the other side, right? You know, I always say ego is one of the most expensive items on your balance sheet. This is about running a business. This is not about being a celebrity necessarily, right? 100%. Absolutely. 
you experienced a very challenging and tumultuous period in real estate in Boise back in that 06, 07, and all the way to 2012, as you mentioned. The market's been changing again in the last year or so. How are you experiencing that? And what are you sharing with those that you lead in order to help them survive and thrive through the new challenge that we're facing? So this is where my bluntness kind of comes out in my in my history in that, you know, when things started to change about a year ago, because it was May of last year. Boy, May is a tough month, actually, now that I say that. It was May of last year when all of a sudden things, you went, whoa, what, what's going on here? We immediately told the team, cut your expenses as much as possible. Just cut, right? Like nails, forget about it. Hair, do it yourself. I'm not going to do that. But still, like cut whatever you can. You need to double down. What you think you were doing before is no longer going to work. You need to do more. And I actually said to my team, if you think right now is hard showing up right now, like this is hard, go get a job right now before everyone in real estate starts leaving, goes and gets it and you can't find one because I'm doing you a disservice. If you're not willing to put the work in, then you're not going to survive. End of story. Because I've survived before, I know all you have to do is work and do more of it. I love the concept around cutting expenses. I mean, Chase and I talk with our leaders all the time about doing that. And yet at the personal level, agents in the business and team members need to be doing the exact same thing that you do running your own business. So I I applaud you for taking that perspective. How did they receive that message, by the way? (laughs) Um, Thankfully, they know me well enough. But, you know, some of them were still a little shocked Honestly, I lost two agents fairly soon after that. As much as I love them, it was necessary. Yeah, well, and I think that's the beauty of a strong vision and or strong leadership is it causes us to attract the right people and actually potentially repel in a good way the wrong people in terms of fit, not bad people, but it's not the right fit, right? Michelle, when you think about all that you've accomplished thus far, right, and you've got this amazing team that's doing a whole bunch of transactions every year. You've got this great partnership with Ben Kenny in place. And now you're leading others through a different or challenging market. When you look out into the future, however far that might be, what are you most excited about? I'm most excited about the opportunities, honestly. No matter what, there's opportunities. And there's a lot happening in our industry with NAR and the lawsuit just the influx that we have of realtors that come and go, right? And being able to be at service to those that actually want to be here and want to work. I truly love serving them and helping them. So I look forward to all those opportunities. And I didn't actually tell you guys, I'm very involved in our association side of things as well. That's where that comes from as well. Love that servant leadership. And it's interesting, Michelle, because we hear this often, right, with a lot of it, the top producers we interview, where it now becomes about significance. It's how many people can I help, right, achieve great things inside of their ecosystem. Michelle, you know, 17 years in the business, based on what you know today, if you were to go back and talk to your younger self about getting into real estate, what advice would you give? I've actually thought a lot about this. (laughs) being a high C, (laughs) I would say, get out of your head, get out of your way and do not care what other people think. Just go do it. 
I love that. By the way, that's great advice for anybody who's listening to this podcast who's been in the business, no matter how long you have, because that's outstanding. Well, Michelle, this has been a real treat for us today to have you visit with us, and thank you for that. I just want to say to any of our listeners, if you've got any referrals for the greater Boise area, look no further than the BKT Idaho team. We will have Michelle and her team's contact information in the show notes. Michelle, thank you again. We appreciate you. Hang tight. We'll be right back. According to the National Association of Realtors, 83% of buyer's agents said that a styled home is easier for a buyer to visualize. These homes also sell for 6% more than an unstyled home. Keller Williams has created the exclusive KW Style to Design community to revolutionize the industry for realtors. At KW Style to Design, their goal is to teach you how to build a strong value proposition so you can win against your competition. Learn more at styletodesign.com. Well, Chase, that was an awesome story. Talk about overcoming adversity. So what were some of your key takeaways from that conversation? Well, Bruce, I just think the perseverance, number one, Michelle's been doing it for a long time there in Boise quite successfully and is continuing to grow her success. And yet hearing about when she first got into the business, you know, joined a team because she was new to town as a single mom and didn't know anything about real estate, which, by the way, almost none of us do when we first get started, but it's scary, right? And then the market kind of just, in essence, crashed in Boise. You know what she did, Bruce? In her own words, she did whatever she could to make ends meet, whatever it took, in essence. She was moonlighting as a transaction coordinator and part-time office manager of the office she was in and being a realtor. And I think that's indicative of a lot of people who have had success over a long period of time. Some experience success in the short term for lots of different factors, but if you're going to be successful for 17 years and beyond... You have to have that level of stick to that says, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And there's no doubt that Michelle has that. Maybe it was that law enforcement career that taught her that. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. I think persistence is the key. I loved her advice to her own agents, right? Talking about this shift of cutting their expenses, their personal budgets, right? So they can survive. And and obviously, that's a reflection of what she experienced and what she had to go through, through the Great Recession that we had. We can learn from others. For those of us who haven't been in the business, what has it been now? 15 years or more? If you haven't gone through this before, learn from the people who have, because they got to experience it firsthand. Believe me, they didn't forget what they went through. They certainly didn't. And, and a lot of what they share, Bruce, was just that good old-fashioned elbow grease. And by the way, double the amount that you were offering, which is what Michelle said that she gave the advice around to her team. And again, I think there's this idea of needing to work hard in order to achieve. That's absolutely true. But Michelle also shared the other side of that, which was adding a level of intentionality to the effort that you're offering. And, you know, when she made the move to KW, she went from what we would call E to P or being entrepreneurial, working really hard 
to being purposeful, which by the way, is still working really hard. It's just working with intention. And that's when her results really started to kind of skyrocket. Now over a hundred homes per year and 16 agents, 54 million and still growing. I think that's encouraging to maybe those that are out there giving the effort and getting some of the result they want, that there's an opportunity to give more intentional and purposeful effort. And that can really be like gasoline and fire. And Michelle certainly experienced that in part of her journey. You know, I love too that she really demonstrated for us that regardless of what your behavioral style is, you can be successful in this industry. She self-claimed, right, that she's an introvert. And now you wouldn't think that an introvert would be able to succeed in a business where you're required to talk to people, right? And the fact that she's a high C behavioral style, which is a correct or compliant you know, dot the I's, cross the T's, wanting to get everything perfect to make sure that they're right, you know, where for a lot of people that actually slows them down, but she figured out how to get out of her own way to be able to make that work for her. Just a great example in my mind that whatever you are, you figure out the way to do it based on your behavioral style. Additionally, Chase, I thought her purposefulness, and she just sort of did it really sort of laissez-faire, so to speak, but Her intentionality around open houses, you know, that attention to detail, you're going to have successful open houses if you do what she does and what she has her team do. Yeah, no doubt about it, because they do it on purpose and with intention. And it's just several layers up from putting the sign in the yard and praying that people come, which is what she shared. I also think she shared a really valuable lesson, Bruce, that we've heard on this podcast from a lot of folks who have pursued this idea of building a business through leverage, right? And typically that in part is with other people, right? There's other forms of leverage, but working through and with others is a common form. She talked about the important piece being shared vision and shared goals. Much more important than even liking each other or getting along, that helps too, But having a true shared vision, shared goals, and then also not wanting it more than them. I think that's something that a lot of leaders can connect to because it can feel really frustrating when you want something more than the other person. And depending on how hard you're trying to convince them to want it, you can actually create resentment there. And so just acknowledging that people have to bring their own desire to the table. Yours can't always take the place of theirs you know, day after day after day. I thought that was really great insight into leadership. Well, and we didn't get into the conversation around it, but, you know, we have a course called Career Visioning, right, to help find people who are in alignment, who want what you want, right, doing the motivational interview and looking at their life story as well as their behavior in order to find the right people. You know, the other thing too, Chase, I love hearing this because we hear it so often. When you ask that great question that you always do, which is, what are you most looking forward to? And for her to say, helping people, right? You realize that anyone listening to this, if you want to go further in this industry, there are so many people who are willing to give you that hand. You just need to reach out to them and ask. Next week's Northern Lights guest is Jen Singer with Keller Williams Sunset Corridor in Hillsborough, Oregon. We'll see you next week on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. 
Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.